welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. We've got our usual panel today, but at an unusual time, so we might sound a little groggy. We've got Adam and Rhiannon. How are you guys doing? Awesome. Great. Getting by. I'll have you know, they, they both lifted their intensity, like, eight notches from what they were before the show started. Gotta, so. gotta put your game face on, man. Right. That's right, man. It's all about the people that give us money on Patreon. I, I should say it's all about the listeners, not just those that give us their money. Seriously, Adam, yeah. we care about those, like, other thousands of people that yeah. aren't Patreon. We care about everyone here. We want to encourage you guys to subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, that's watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. Also, uh, you can check out the other podcast on our Marvel News Desk site. That's AP Marvel. Uh, this week, they have a special guest who I didn't look up ahead of time. Who was it? What, what what site was it from? It has the guy from Now You See It video essays on YouTube. Uh, definitely check that out. That would be awesome. Um, also, uh, as Adam mentioned, uh, we would love to encourage you to uh, join us on Patreon. That helps keep the show going. I mention it because this time of year we're going to get close to releasing our annual episode, which is a special episode that is only available to our Patreon supporters. Uh, if you really like this show and want to get yourself a nice little Christmas present, give us a dollar and you can hear that episode. Or uh, give it for your, you know, I don't know. Are you listening right now as a spouse captive in a car with a loved one who plays this show and you hate it? Give us a dollar so that you can do something nice for your spouse. I mean, it's the giving season. But seriously, we do a special episode. If they give us five, then their spouse will like watch us live when we're recording and they won't have to listen to it in the car with them. There you go. These guys are clearly better at marketing than I am. But uh, yeah, this time of year we record this special episode, and so that's going to probably be closer to New Year's than Christmas, if I remember everybody's schedule right. But nonetheless, it will happen during our kind of hiatus from podcasting, so we'd love for you guys to uh, support us on Patreon. It helps keep the show going, and we'll also give you some bonus content, so uh, check that out there. All right, uh, this week, we're not going to spend... We have so much to talk about in trailers. Uh, we're not going to talk too much about news, but there was two pieces of news I thought that were big enough we have to talk about. The first is that we found out that uh, Marvel is working on a Shang-Chi movie. If you remember a couple weeks ago, that hashtag show told us there was a new screenwriter that was working on something and we didn't know what it was. Well, it turns out it's Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu. Uh, Adam, for our viewers who don't know Shang-Chi super well, do you want to uh, explain who this character is and kind of a little bit of the background of uh, Shang-Chi? Yeah, I mean, you pretty much uh, explained it pretty well, man. Shang-Chi's the master of Kung Fu, and that's, I mean, that's really all you have to it. You don't have anything like... Uh, Iron Fist where the mysticism or the mystical aspect to it, you know, he's just a uh, a character that's really good at kicking butt. Um, I think maybe Starlin had a hand in developing him. But yeah, that's that's about it. I mean, it's comic books. He's had stints with the Avengers, he's had stints with Heroes for Hire. Um and I'm already lobbying to get Iron Fist on in the movie in a supporting role, uh, but yeah, I mean it's. I think it's going to be a real. It's gonna. It's. 
it's yet another movie that Marvel's never ever done before. It's I almost picture it like a uh, I'm not sure if pulpy's the right word, but the the seventy ish kung fu movies, you know, kind of like a, a Kill Bill esque type movie. Um, just just another thing that they're doing that still has yet another uh, look and feel and tone, and it's the MCU's first. Asian-led movie, right? So, Adam, like, from what you're describing, I mean, like, Kill Bill-esque, like, why is this a show, why is this, because this is a character that everybody's been saying should be a movie. I don't know much about them, and what you're describing doesn't sound like movie to me, like, Marvel movie to me. It sounds, like, indie, but what will make this feature film worthy? Kill Bill was an incredibly poor connection, I guess. Or um, a Crouching Tiger. Comparison. I'm not a kung fu. Kung fu's kind of. I'm not even sure if that's the right terminology. Martial arts movies. Yeah, I mean, really, Shang Chi happened because of Bruce Lee. Right. Like it's really ridiculous. Like when Bruce Lee took off in the United States, like three months later, Marvel came out with Shang Chi. He he deserves to get rights, I think, because it's basically him in a comic book. Right. It's uh, and it kind of came out the same type of era um, that Luke Cage did with the whole black exploitation thing. So a lot of the earliest stuff is pretty cringeworthy to read. Um, but I. Yeah, it's not... I didn't mean to compare it to Kill Bill, but it's... Well, no, I mean, that's fine. I'm just... I'm curious what makes this a feature film. What makes this character the lead in a movie? Me not knowing much about him. Like, why him and not the guy with the glowing fist? Right. You know, it's not the type of thing... I, I would guess there doesn't have to be spectacular you know computer generated visual effects you know i would guess it's more going to be a spectacle towards uh stunts and fights and things of that nature the the crazy stuff they can do with that i don't know i mean it's not like shang chi has to fight a dragon or anything like that you know he's a he's a pretty normal guy and he doesn't really have powers i think later on there was a a thing where he made a What's Madrix do? Multiple man. He kind of creates duplicates of himself, I guess. But that was very recent. I have a reason why they're making it. And it's very cynical, but I think it's totally right. They're making it because of the Chinese box office. Oh, yeah. No, I totally get that. I mean, Marvel's looking at it and they go, we have a character who is Chinese. And, I mean, look at Venom. As long as you can get the Chinese box office to be excited about something, you can make a lot of money. And so I think this is very much, uh, you know, I think some of it is there's a legitimate good hearted like Black Panther kind of thing where they want to create the best character that provides them an opportunity to give Asian filmmakers kind of the same platform that they gave African and African-American filmmakers with Black Panther. And so there's that. And then on top of it, they're really confident they could film the thing in China with a Chinese star and it'll make two or three hundred million dollars just in China alone. So I, I think that's part of it more than even the character. But he also has there's a lot of people on Twitter. They're super pumped about him. So he has some kind of cult following that's interesting. Yeah. And I have no doubt. I mean, that's I was just 
like, yes, I think it's awesome that they're making more diverse movies, and I know they're giving a lot of opportunities for Asian actors and directors and uh, writers on this. Um, yeah, I've just, like, from everything I've heard about him, I'm like, like a Hawkeye movie, like a Black Widow movie, you know, these are very down-to-earth characters. Um, yeah, it, it, it's interesting, we see a lot of, um, I mean, the sort of lowest budget of the movies that we've seen in the last phases has been Ant-Man, who still, like, has some pretty, you know, like, major special effects and stuff that goes into his characters. So it's kind of interesting to see on this upcoming slate, like, with Black Widow and with Shang-Chi, the direction they're going with some of this. I love it because um, they can't escalate much more. I mean, they killed half of everyone in the entire cosmos in Infinity War. And so, like, if they keep trying to quote-unquote up the game, it's going to get kind of ridiculous and redundant. So I really like the impulse of, like, hey, after we're done with Endgame, let's go ahead and bring it back down and do some Black Widow and Shang-Chi and just make some cool espionage thriller. Um, A lot of people have mentioned, Michael T. Ford mentioned in the, the live chat, um... James Bond has been kind of an influence a lot on Shang-Chi lately, that he's kind of become international spy guy. And so I'm excited to see them scale back because they can't keep scaling up. It's impossible. He's been a uh, pretty good supporting character. Who wrote that? Is it Gail Simone? Wrote the latest Domino run? And I've really enjoyed it. It's probably going to win a Eisner or something, so that's definitely a run they could look at, especially now that they will have a certain uh, mercenary named Domino. Our other bit of news that I wanted to talk about, uh, Black Panther nailed a ton of nominations this week for several different things. Golden Globe nominations came out, and it was nominated for Best Picture Drama, as well as Best Original Score and Best Original Song. Then the Grammys came out. Uh, and the Black Panther soundtrack uh, got nominate nominations for song uh, for album of the year. The uh, all the stars got song, record, and rap sung performance and song for visual media nominations. And the King is Dead got rap performance and rap song nominations. Uh, so Kendrick Lamar kind of led the way for this year's Grammy noms. And if it sounds weird that a soundtrack could win any of this, uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? did that just very thing about 15 years ago where it won album of the year as a soundtrack um do you guys feel like it's more possible that this thing actually might win some oscars now that we're seeing these other accolades start to pile up i think it's so oscar wise i think it's definitely if i if i was a bad man i would say that it does get a nomination for best picture i would think especially with the whole uh popular film or popular movie weird thing that went on I would say Black Panther probably at least gets the best picture nomination outside of that I'm not sure maybe best director or cinematography or didn't the cinematographer win the Oscar last year I don't know I don't know if it could get best picture man I think it'll at least get a nomination though I think it'll get a nomination I think at this point they almost have to um and then there's a lot more sound categories in the Oscars than there are in the Golden Globes, I think. So, you know, I think they'll they'll have some sound, you know, with all of this Grammy hype, they'll have some maybe sound categories and such. I just find it interesting because 
you know, about half the Oscar race is making a good enough movie that you get nominated. But then a lot of it is this, like, what is the momentum? What is, like, the public opinion? Like, who's got, you know, like, a lot of, like, juice going for them at the end? Which is part of the reason why I thought Black Panther was sunk, because it was put out in February. But when I start seeing all these nominations rolling up for the Golden Globes and then rolling up again for the Grammy, like, I just could see a world in which like the love for this movie kind of builds and builds and builds. And it really does create, you know, and Hollywood, they love to give awards that will make them feel good about themselves. So like the, like, Hey, look, we're rewarding black filmmaking. You know, if that's pure, pure motived or just like gross motives, whatever. Like I could just see a lot of Hollywood's being like patting themselves on the back. Like, Oh, look what we're doing. We're so good. We're so special. Like, the more good things that come out for this movie, the more I can just see that you could get the kind of momentum train where they would be excited. They'd be like, you know what? We have, we're so sophisticated. We're willing to give genre films uh, credit now. I mean, we're, we're trying to move past our history. You know, like I just can see a narrative where this could actually succeed. And I feel more hopeful about it than ever before because I did not, uh, I think it's already doing better. Than I thought it would with some of the awards, we talked about National Border Review last week. Um, I just think it's really exciting for Black Panther that this kind of stuff is starting to get the snowball effect, which is what you really have to have Oscar time. I also should have looked this up, but it'll be really interesting to see when the final voting deadline is for the Oscars versus when the Grammys happen. Because if the dates are just right, that like Kendrick Lamar and Black Panther can sweep the Grammys and win a lot of awards and everybody is like real excited about it. And the ballots are due five days later for the Oscars. That could be wonderful timing for this movie. All right. You guys want to talk about trailers? We got a couple of big ones this week. Did we? We did. Let's start with Captain Marvel. I'll ask this first on both of them. Did you, uh, did you enjoy the trailer? I was underwhelmed. I, I, I wasn't surprised. There was nothing in it that, increased my excitement level i was underwhelmed the the first showing um i was underwhelmed because i even mentioned that in the slack chat but at the same time i was tasked with already pulling out pieces and starting to write pieces off of it um but as i continued watching it 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 did kind of grow on me a bit uh there's a lot of you know visual things and Theories that came to mind that kind of made me a lot more excited, and I mean the uh, the uh, space battles and stuff. Those those look super dope. Yeah, I had a good time with it, but I uh, it seems that they have a very. I think the marketing team has a very focused and particular thing that they want to do with the marketing of this movie, and because of that, the two trailers felt a little bit redundant, and that they were trying to do similar things with both trailers. A lot of times with Marvel, you see the first trailer and then the second one, and it's like, oh, okay, the first one was setting up thing A, and then thing B happens in the second trailer to give us kind of two pieces of the marketing strategy. This kind of felt like, no, we've got a plan A, and we did plan A again. There's a lot of focus on her past and her history and her growing up and kind of the female empowerment stuff, which obviously they want to do. Uh, Mistaken identity, Cree, but uh, yeah, it didn't. 
it just didn't feel like there was a lot uh, of new material being shared either plot wise or thematically. So I think that's where some of that kind of like uh, feeling comes from is that we don't know a whole lot more about this movie than we did before this trailer, right? Right. Right. And we don't know much more about the character. I mean, she doesn't know who she is. You know, she has this trouble past that left her with Superman-esque powers. Okay. Cool. I mean, I think it takes a lot for a superhero movie to stand out these days. And um, there wasn't much that really got me going. Yeah, I'm not even going to attempt to start piecing together the plot. There's just so many. It's almost like time travel, but without the time travel, you know, with the whole wiped memory and stuff. And I'm pretty sure the Air Force stuff obviously has to come first. But then there's scroll stuff and then Kree scroll wars. I don't know. I'm not even going to start thinking about it. Now, I still overall finished the trailer really pumped because, as you said, Adam, the stuff that shows her flying through space in the suit with like a fire mohawk, like blowing up spaceships and everything. I'm a simple man to please. Okay. You give me cool explosions. I'm pretty much on board. And so I just loved some of that space battle stuff. Um, I think you're the one that mentioned Adam, like they have a chance to do some of these star Wars, like space, you know, like epic, uh, fights between, you know, with ships and, lasers and like if they really go full on Kree scroll war which they kind of hint at with that one shot with Ronan they have a chance to do something visually we haven't really seen yet i mean the closest would be the um when Nova the Nova Corps tried to expel Ronan ship back in Guardians but i'm really i mean i'm just excited for that that flavor like the idea of seeing somebody with this amount of power you know making her way through like an armada of scroll ships sounds really cool and really exciting to me. Adam, I know you've talked about this a little bit before. Um, so Annette Benning appears in this trailer. You have some theories on who you think she is. I have some theories and it's a hill I'm about to die on. It is a hill I will die on. I, I mean, I think, I think they might go this route. I think they might make her the Supreme intelligence. Okay, so for those who don't know, you got. Do you two know what the Supreme Intelligence is? It's essentially what's the. You guys know the floating head from Power Rangers. The Supreme Intelligence is pretty much that. It's a big, um, head that's kept in this huge jar that essentially rules the Kree Empire. Um. It, it, I mean, I think the Marvel Legends. Wave, um, the packaging, the toy packaging said that the Supreme Intelligence is going to be in the movie. Um, but I mean, I, I don't think it's going to be a thing that's. I think it's going to be a lot like Ego the Planet, right? We got the, uh, we got the one shot of Ego, really. Um, but for the rest of the movie, obviously, it was Kurt Russell acting as an avatar of Ego. And I, I think that's maybe something that they'll do for this. Um, I don't know. It, it just makes sense to me. And the, the way Annette Benning, the few words she did say in the trailer, she acted very, uh, almost like royalty. Or, you know, obviously it was clear she was a leader of some sort. Um, so that's kind of... I mean, to me, 
I picture that scene playing out as uh, Carol's trying to find more information about, you know, her past or whatever, and the Supreme Intelligence floating head thing makes an avatar to show Carol around Hala or something. Um, I guess th- that's my two cents, at least. Yeah, I'm, uh, I think it's kind of interesting... I don't know why I really want to see a scene with like Glenn Close and Annette Benning now, like the Nova and the Cree, like if she was the Supreme Intelligence, like the two of them in like a standoff over some kind of like war or something. I don't know. Like just the idea that they have all these great, powerful women actors that are now taking up these positions of kind of the the royalty or the, the rulers of these cosmic empires, I think is, is fun. I don't know why I just enjoy those things together so the the other new the other theory that i've seen plenty of times is that she's actually marvell which is it was pretty solid as well and that's probably a lot closer to accurate than the supreme intelligence thing i know there would be several um fanboys upset with that but i think it's a pretty solid theory so here's what i don't get People keep saying, well, somebody has to be Marvell because the title has to be passed down to Carol. Why, again? I See, I don't think it has to. I'll agree with you on that. I think it would just be cheesy as crap actually having someone named Marvell. I guess I don't understand it. I mean, in Carol's origin, obviously that's a big part from her moving to Miss Marvel to Captain Marvel. You know, Marvell getting cancer and dying. Um, but even then they've redone Carol Danvers origin so much leading up to the movie. I think they just retconned her, her origin in the, uh, new series that just came out, you know, two weeks ago or whatever. Yeah. I heard that they actually said she was born as Carol, which I was think is the stupidest, stupidest thing I've ever heard. I didn't. Yeah. I haven't even read that. <laughs> Oh. That's cringeworthy, though. Good I mean, Lord. Just, I mean, it's stupid, and it seems derivative of Superman simultaneously. You know. <laughs> and the one thing I've learned about comics so far is they most certainly pander to the movie audience. I mean, you look at Yondu, and Yondu went from looking completely different to instantly matching, you know, Michael Rooker. With little to no explanation, story-wise, whatsoever. And, and you see that across all sorts of... I mean, Cloak and Dagger came out and they instantly decided to do a new series. Um, so, yeah, I'm not I'm not claiming that... I, I don't know who even wrote the new Captain Marvel 1, Kelly Thompson, maybe? I don't know. Um, I'm not claiming they know what's going on, but I, I would guess they have some general sense of direction. Speaking of comics, did you read the uh, Avengers Four Prelude? No, I told you, I'm not. I'm not doing it anymore. You Don't can take your it. Prelude comics, Marvel, and you can shove them. Okay, I'm not doing this crap anymore. <laughs> Don't do it. It's liter- spoiler alert. It's literally the uh, scene on the Asgardian spaceship. That's it, <laughs> word for word. Some of them are good, but not this one. Uh, let's talk real quick before we finish Captain Marvel. Let's talk about the villains. So we see a little bit more of Scrolls. We see um, uh, we see Mendelssohn being a you know CIA kind of guy. 
Uh, we also get this sense that Carol really is brainwashed. She's very positive about the Kree, like, we're noble warriors. And you can kind of see it being set up for, like, her realizing the world is more complex than just my guys are good and their guys are bad. Um, in the end, and then there's also talk, uh, spoilers if you have not seen this in a million places, about Jude Law's true identity, maybe being villainous itself. I mean, we've talked a million times on this podcast that we think he's Jan Rog. Um, and there may be good reason to think that. Uh, in the end, who do you think is going to be truly the villain of this movie? Like, are the scrolls going to end up being the good guys? Are they both going to be the bad guys? What, what, what's going on here? So the only, I mean, the only reason that I think the only reason they are being secret, uh, secretive on Law's character is because he's Jan Rog. Um, because they release that and everyone instantly knows he's a villain. You know, that's Marvel's arch nemesis. And they're going to incredible lengths to to hide it too. I mean, there was the Funko Pop leak that had Jan Rog. Um, that came out what last week or whatever, and then literally the next day, Funko sent out a press release calling him Star Force Commander. Um, completely different mock-ups and things of that nature of the box. So I would, I'm going to say Jude Law is probably going to be the big bad. I, I would guess the Kree scroll war is kind of going to be this. I'm not sure if you want to call it a secondary plot or a subplot of sorts. And I mean, she's going to live most of her life on screen thinking the scrolls are the bad guys, but she only, um, Bought into that mindset because that war was a part of, you know, Jan Rog's agenda of sorts. And I would guess Ronan's kind of almost Jan Rog's secondhand man, and something ends up happening to Jan Rog, which launches Ronan into his extremist um, phase. Um, but I, I mean, it, it feels like for as cool as the scrolls are, they most certainly are a afterthought, maybe. Is that the right word? Would you guys agree with that or not? It almost feels like it. And I get, I would guess the visual effects aren't completely done and all that stuff. But it just seems like, at least in the trailers, they've kind of been put on the back burner. I just feel they've kind of glossed over the scrolls so far. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's not much. If you didn't already know all of this history of it and what's going on and everything, okay, there's an old lady that turns into something else. So you know there's some sort of shapeshifter type people. I would assume the scrolls were bad guys. Is there a world where the scrolls are not bad guys? I think there's a the Kree Scroll War is one I think Earth is relatively neutral on. Yeah. Like there's kind of this sense of like you know, it'd be like if uh China and Russia went to war with each other, where would we stand? We'd be like, "Uh, I don't know. We don't love either of those guys, yeah. you know." Yeah, and I mean, scrolls as a whole aren't bad. I mean, there's a lot of, oftentimes they're put in the comics as comedic relief or as retconning and, and such stuff of that nature. But I mean, they aren't inherently bad, I guess. I mean, what you're describing there, if she is a person being used as a pawn for this intergalactic war... There's so much of a story there that they're not telling in these trailers. There's so much to that that we aren't seeing that would make this so much more interesting. 
Yeah, I think there's a little hint when she says, I'm not going to fight your war, I'm going to end it. Yeah, but that's just... Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not disagreeing that it's not clear. I'm just saying that's the one place that they started to go that way a little bit, I think. I, the bigger question is, why is the Kree Empire always at war? Like, we have the Kree Scroll War, and then fast forward 20-some years, and they're going to be in this Kree-Zandarian War, Zandarian War? Well, you know, who could trust a country that was constantly at war throughout the entire existence of their nation? I mean, we don't know right. any countries like that whatsoever. No, but, none of them. Um, <laughs> I was, uh, it was funny because my wife was actually saying, as we were wa- talking about Captain Marvel and stuff, she's like, I don't think I like Captain Marvel because she's with the Kree. And I was like, well, why do you care? And she's like, I've watched these movies with you. The Kree are always bad guys. Ronan is a bad guy. All those blue guys that show up on Earth and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they're bad guys. The blue guys up in space in the future on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are bad guys. You know, like, I didn't realize it, but she has seen the Kree in, like, three or four contexts now, and they're always terrible. And so she's like, why is she hanging out with these terrible, like, creatures, you know? And uh, it was interesting to see her perspective on that, because I know there's, like, there's blue Cree and there's pink Cree and Captain yeah. Marvel was a Cree but he loved Earth, and, you know, like, I have all that, and she's like, no, I've watched these movies and these TV shows, and they're always bad. Why do I want her to be with them? And with your wife! <laughs> all right, uh, let's go ahead and move on to um, Avengers Endgame. So, uh... I'm sure we have a lot to talk about. Uh, did you guys enjoy the trailer, first of all? Yes. I did. I did. Yes. How could you not? I mean, who didn't? So, I don't know if I even have this in my notes. What did you think about how long this trailer came? It's like, it's funny because I tweeted about 10 minutes before it hit like the internet where I was like, man, if Marvel doesn't stop this soon, they're going to create a bad problem. You know, like... I'd like to take credit, actually, for the trailer being dropped. They saw my tweet, and they're like, oh, you're right, Caleb. we got to put this trailer out. <laughs> um, but Just moments you... later. Exactly. What do you think of the build-up to this? And, like, before we even get to the trailer, like, all the crap that happened around this over the last, like, three or four weeks. Let's uh, preface it by saying Marvel Studios did absolutely nothing wrong. I mean, yeah. any and all problems were entirely fan-generated. Marvel did nothing wrong whatsoever. I mean, they don't owe us a trailer by any means. I, I don't get the whole hubbub. I mean, people got into it, man. The internet. <laughs> I mean, talk about Twitter. I mean, it's just... And that's the thing. I mean, it, has fandom always been crazy and Twitter's just exposing it? Or is Twitter kind of giving this platform to... Ha. Fandom has always been crazy. Fandom has always been crazy. It's just that now they're able to send journalists death threats when yeah. a trailer isn't dropped when they think it should be dropped. I mean, I think... I think there's extreme excitement over this movie. I think there's people desperate for answers, desperate for something new. If Marvel had any role in it, it was that they completely withheld any information until when they wanted it to be shared. Right. I think you're right, Adam. They owe nothing. They owe nothing to us. I disagree a little bit. Here's what I think. 
first of all, I think part of the reason this got so gross is because the journalists slash bloggers slash people who have Twitter accounts are got kind of petty. Like it became this competition. Like, you know, it was like this giant sausage measure, measuring contest of like, oh, I know when the trailer's coming out and you don't. And then they kind of got fighting. And then now everybody has a side that they want to win. And so they get really mad when their guy didn't predict the right trailer. Day. You know, like there was kind of that weird thing where like we're picking journalists like we pick politicians and then we're desperate for our journalists to win. That seems odd to me um, that we had happen here. But I think the bigger thing for me with Marvel, they didn't just market this like a regular movie. Like, this whole shenanigans of not telling us the name when the name was Avengers Endgame. Like, it was kind of artificially building hype to me. It's not like when that name hit, people fell out of their chairs like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe it! You know, like, it's it's not like it was Avengers, like, uh, Secret Invasion or something. You know, like, it wasn't something that was super meaningful. It's something that a bunch of people, like, predicted a long time ago that we've seen floating around for a while. It just felt to me like, um, I don't know, sometimes one of our kids will be teasing one of the other kids or keeping a toy away from them, and it gets to a point where like it really is overblown. It's like, just be, just be nice. Just let them have it. And then the other kid hauls off and punches them because they're so frustrated. It's kind of on the first kid for withholding something for so long. You know, like, you kind of provoked them into being ridiculous. And I feel like Marvel kind of provoked people. Just put out the darn trailer already. Like we don't. Why, why is there all this crazy building? I think there's there there's two pieces to it: the trailer and the name. I will agree with that sentiment on the name, but I mean, trailer wise, it was. I mean, we're talking. It's only what five days after they released the Infinity War trailer. It's not like it's been weeks after the Infinity War trailer or something. It's perfectly in time with the Infinity War trailer. And even before then, just fandom was going absolutely berserk. And it was, I mean, I can say it was supposed to drop on Wednesday. That's when the trailer was supposed to drop. It was supposed to be Captain Marvel Monday and uh, Avengers 4 on Wednesday. But there was the day of mourning and such and obviously they didn't want to uh get into that type of scenario so we got a fry i mean we're talking it wasn't even a week after they released the infinity war trailer i mean and there was no taunting i mean that's what you know they didn't even do they weren't sometimes i mean like i fully expected marvel to do a little trailer coming tomorrow and they didn't do any of that they were just like here's your movie so let me ask you, all of the false, hey, it's going to come out tomorrow, or oh, I heard that this is going to drop on Wednesday, some of that was legitimate people at Marvel leaking information that then Marvel changed their mind on. Or what, do you think it was just journalists making stuff up, or bloggers making stuff up, or did Marvel send out some false signals back channel? There, There's multiple pieces to this, so the Wednesday thing was legit. Outside of that, I have no idea. I know it was originally supposed to come out Wednesday up until a week or so ago. Um, but then there's there's other pieces. I mean, there was, uh, there was a situation last night, another death threat situation to the CNN entertainment writer, whatever. I'm not sure if you guys 
saw this, but he sat down with the Russo brothers, whatever, so long ago, and he interviewed the Russo brothers and asked them point blank, you know, is Avengers 4 going to be titled Avengers Endgame? To which they said, no, it's not going to be Avengers Endgame. To which he runs it on CNN, which is one of the biggest news platforms in the world, and then obviously sites pick it up, so people are, you know, oh, this aged well and things like that. So I guess that I have a problem with. There's a difference between Kevin Feige saying, no, I don't know um, what the plans are for Hawkeye, and saying, no, Hawkeye's not going to appear in the Avengers 4 trailer when he actually is. Um, Yeah. Right? So, I mean, I guess that's kind of my biggest problem with it all right now. I mean, I, I know a certain side already has, you know, kind of the reputation about pushing all sorts of crap out. All these sites do listicles and all sorts of things like that. But, I mean, it certainly doesn't help when the studio's actually uh, pushing a false narrative, I guess. Right, and this is coming from a, a full-time comic journalist point of view, right. right? But I mean, it doesn't seem like that's, you know, that's a move with integrity, right? There should be at least some integrity there to at least say something truthful instead of purpose or no comment. Yeah, no I think comment that's is a fine yeah. thing right. to say. Yeah, if, it's exactly fine, but to intentionally say no, it's not Avengers Endgame when it is. I mean, we're talking about we're talking about CNN here, right? Was that recent, or was that and like no, a year ago? No, that article was pushed out in April. So, I mean, that's the other thing. Maybe at the time, it wasn't Avengers Endgame, but I I, I have a feeling Endgame's been the title all along. It's yeah. just so f- so friggin' anticlimactic. I I just well, so that's what I was gonna ask next. Do you guys, Adam? Sounds like you're not super excited about the title. It's. I was kind of super interested at first, and now it's growing. Me and the title, the title and I are growing apart from each other. Each time I You're see asking, it, it just doesn't. Last night you asked, "What's the opposite of growing on me?" I think it's it's shrinking on you. Is what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the title is shrinking on me. We'll go it's with wearing that. on you. It's, it's wearing. It it doesn't seem like it's a movie. I every time I type it, every time I read it, it almost feels like it's like a new mobile app, a new mobile game. I mean, they have like Marvel Strike Force and Marvel. It just seems too meta. Is that the right description? It it just seems too. When I see Avengers Endgame, I picture the score sounding like something that's played at like a monster truck rally. I don't know why. <laughs> it just seems like it's too superhero and And I don't realize that sounds stupid as hell because it's going to be a superhero movie that features 50-plus superhero. It just seems too... I will say this. I prefer it to Annihilation. <laughs> <laughs> Rhiannon, do you have thoughts on Endgame as a title? Um, I mean, I was prepared for the title to be underwhelming. Feige told us to prepare to be underwhelmed. I I think it's simple. I I don't think it's exciting. I mean, I... You know, around the office right afterwards, I was like, what do you think of Avengers Endgame? And they're like, eh, whatever. Like, I'm just so glad we get the other Avengers movie. You know, I think that's 
I don't think the title will matter. I think the word Avengers matters, and the second part is irrelevant. My general take, uh, I think it bothers us because they've been using comic titles. Like, Age of Ultron is a great example where they used the title from a comic that had nothing to do with the plot, but, like, comic fans were like, ooh, yay, Age of Ultron, like, they were used to saying it. And so it's weird that it's a title that's not a comic title, uh, except for the new Guardians run, I guess, apparently. But, um, so that's odd, but I think it also, I think it speaks to something. The Russo brothers are making a totally different movie here. Like, this movie is not a derivative of any comic in any way, as far as I can tell. Like, Infinity War legitimately had roots in the Infinity Gauntlet storyline. Uh, story but I get the sense that with um, Endgame, we're going to a totally new place, so it makes sense. I'm wondering if it's going to be like Spider-Man Homecoming. I hated Spider-Man Homecoming as a title when it first came out. And then after I saw the movie, I was like, oh, wow, that felt like, okay, home, like it felt, it felt right. You know, like the film lived into the title. So I'm hoping that by the time I'm done watching Endgame, I'm like, oh, that makes perfect sense. So... There's that optimism. Hey, man. it's I'm a, a sunny, happy guy. All right, what did you guys uh, think of Ronan? We finally saw, yeah. um, saw Hawkeye return. We saw a little bit of the Ronan costume. Just for those keeping track at home, this is Ronan with an I, not Ronan with an A. That's you guys have confused the crap out of me all week with that. I'm like, I do not <laughs> see Ronan in this trailer. What the heck are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, Ronan the Accuser, I believe, is R O N A N, and this is yes. Ronan R O N I N. Somebody once said that it's pronounced Ronin, Ronin, right? Someone said that in the oh, comment section, but I don't, no, I don't buy that. I vote. I have every single person. I've yeah, Ronan. Let's just call him Ronin. I'm sorry, but uh, in the original <laughs> Japanese, it's Ronin. It's important that you pronounce things the right way. No, I mean no one's gonna I, say Ronin. That, that accent way. doesn't even make sense, Caleb. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Isn't uh, Jap- isn't Ronan a Japanese word? I don't know. Was that supposed to be your Japanese accent? No, no, that, that was, was my like nerd an accent. Old lady in the basement. Yeah, that was like parkour uh, Marge from Captain Marvel. <laughs> old lady Marge that knows how to fight. I hope. I hope she's not even a scroll. It's just some old lady that loves to fight. I should have added some snorts in there to make it clear it was a nerd. Like, well, actually, um, yes, um, I <laughs> believe that better. it's pronounced Ronin. Yes. Much better. Okay, that's a better one. Yeah, you can cut that yeah. however you want, Rhiannon, when you edit this. Which oh, I'm no, I'm leaving be. in the heckling. Yeah, you're going to leave it all in awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, anyway, did you like the design? I mean, I felt like... I loved all that stuff with Barton. He looked awesome. I felt like it was well acted, given that it was only two seconds. And I'm I'm all in for this. I think they're uh, yeah. I think they're going full Ronan costume too. I didn't notice that at first, but he takes off like a morph suit mask, like yeah. that thin black mask. He takes out. I thought they were just giving him a hood, but uh, nah, they're they're going full Ronan. It looks great too. At least the uh, arm guards or whatever. I in that split second that we saw Barton, it was I was like, oh, there's the Clint I've been wanting in the MCU. There's the you know, 
the person that lives on coffee talks to their dog and goes about shooting things with arrows. Like, I'm excited that we might actually get the Barton that I've wanted. May he survive. All right. Other questions I had. Who's going to save Tony? You guys know my idea. And I'm standing by... I don't know. It's probably going to end up being rescue. I mean, it just makes the most organic sense. Right? He's, uh, he records that message in a, so they're releasing these novels, right? And last year they released the Thanos novel, which was incredibly, you know, fast. I don't know what I'm saying. It was quickly decanonized. Like the instant after it was released, the whole time in its promotion says, oh, this novel is MCU canon. And apparently these new novels coming out are also canon until someone finds a continuity error or something i guess but according to one of those novels tony releases all sorts of his nanobites with these recorded messages across the cosmos so it virtually could be anybody but the prevailing theory on twitter is that one of the nanobots find their way to pepper Potts, who now has the rescue armor and somehow knows where they're located and flies from Earth through the cosmos to get him. Now, Adam, you said that we know um, who your theory is, but we do. The, the listeners do not. So, who is your <laughs> who is your theory? Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be Valkyrie and Korg, man. That's who it's gonna be. I mean, we don't know that they're in it, right? I thought Valkyrie maybe was a. Scene or something. I thought at some point we thought Tessa Thompson was filming something. Maybe not. Um, it just seems like a what a good connection that they managed to run in to like the Asgardian refugee ship or the half of the Guardians that escaped or not Guardians as Guardians. I think that it just makes sense. It's almost too much of a coincidence though that they'll end up talking about Thor and Korg's like, oh hey, I know that guy. Um, well, that's what that's what I would like to see happen, but that is not what will happen. Is there any possibility that nobody rescues Tony and that he dies and that is the fuel that everybody else uses to get out of their funk and just like this is the straw that snapped the camel's back. Tony survived and he left us these inspiring messages and now we go and save the universe. Is that I was wondering that in the last day or two like it would be something if the first two minutes of the movie was him and Nebula just, like, suffocating to death. Jesus. And then they somehow go back in time to save him. Dude, talk, I mean, they can make it dark, you know? Like, they're clearly starting to I mean, a dark they place. killed Loki in the first five minutes or whatever. They could kill But Tony. not the foundation I mean, of the MCU. I don't... I wouldn't write anything off for this movie. Do you, do you think time travel's still going to be involved? Oh, yeah. Is there still a time stone in the Infinity Gauntlet? Oh, I guess. But I... Did Hope Van Dyne also if... very laboriously add into the dialogue, Hey, Scott, go in and get the quantum energy. Oh, by the way, don't fall into a time vortex because I'm not planting anything for the next movie or anything. You know, like, that line uh... to me is so obviously trying to set us up for something. Okay. So what, what's your, uh, oh, so, I mean, you want to talk about Ant-Man a little bit? So I wanted to kind of yeah. talk about that last, so I'm not sure how to interpret that last scene. So, I mean, on the surface, it almost seems like if 
Scott Lang is like, are they looking at a live stream of the security gate? But then if you pause and look at the security gate, it doesn't look like anything that would be part of the Avengers complex. It almost looks as if it was several, several, before it was even there, it almost looks like an old warehouse or something. So I guess, what's, what's your thought? I mean, I first saw that and my initial reaction was, uh, Steve asks whether or not if it was old footage because he was under the understanding that Scott was lost due to the snapping. But since Scott's there, he just wanted to make sure it was live. But upon examining it further, maybe it's actually old footage, but the current age, Scott Lang is in old footage, which also raises a red flag because we just saw that guy not too long ago, but he's in this footage from the 1980s. I just threw a whole lot out there. What are your thoughts? Oh, so you're saying like, did they maybe find that maybe that footage is from the past of Scott Lang? Right. The footage is from the past, but present day Scott Lang is in the footage from the past. Because if you look, and then in the top left. So when Cap says, is this footage from a long time ago? We think the obvious answer is no, Scott's still alive. But the actual answer is, yes, it is. He traveled back in time somehow. Right. So, so that's the type of thing. Oh. So Cap says, Cap says, is this old footage? And I, I mean, initially I thought, well, no, it's like a live stream of the front gate. But maybe he says, is this old footage to confirm it's old footage? Because the guy that they know, you know, what he looks like looks the same yeah. 20, 30 years ago before the Avengers The only problem was. I have He's got the same van. He's got the van from the end, like the van that has the mini quantum tunnel in it at the post credit scene. That's the van with him. But we don't know it has the... And he thinks the Avengers should know him. So if he's back in time, he doesn't know he's back in time. Well, yeah, because 2018 Scott's the one back in time. Right. But what about the van? Does it like that suck itself into no, its maybe own... that van's perfectly from... I mean, imagine this. Imagine Scott getting sucked into this time vortex and popping out, and he's walking down the street, no idea where he's at, and he sees a van that looks similar to what he has because it's a time-accurate van, right? It would, what, it's a, probably a 1980s van or something? Yeah, it's an 80s okay. um, conversion van. So maybe... And then that would be, you know, that yeah. would be, fans would be like, oh, it's his van. No, I don't know, guys. But then he drives to the Avengers compound, which didn't exist in the 80s because it was built after the Avengers became a thing. And he knocks on the door expecting them to know him? I don't know, guys. That's what, This is why I no, don't like so time I, travel. The way, the, way it may, the way it could work is he finds himself stuck there and he's like, I need to somehow send a message into the future... And so what he does is he goes to a Stark facility and he talks into a security camera at the Stark facility with the hope that, um, uh, what is Friday, the new AI yes. for, for Tony in the hopes that Friday someday will find the, the footage in the archives and bring it to the attention of the Avengers. That would be a reach. I mean, I think anything is possible, but that's a reach. I mean, I'm. Pr- I like I like the train of thought. 
I like it. Yeah, I like it a lot, Adam. I just know I have no idea what the heck's going to happen. And that's the thing. I mean, we've seen our set photos spoilers. I mean, we've seen. S- um, if you don't want to know something based on the set photos, yes, go yeah. away and come back later. So, I mean, we've seen set photos with Cap in his Avengers costume, right? It was kind of the OG Avengers yeah. costume. And in the same set photos. And Thor. And Thor. And he was also, they were with Scott Lang with those devices yep. on their hands. But in the trailer, Cap is wearing his Winter Soldier costume. Yeah. So, kind of along these lines, um, if you had to guess the minute mark of the scene that's furthest into the movie that we saw in the trailer, does that make sense? I don't know if I asked that well. But, like, the scene in the trailer that's the furthest into the actual movie, at what minute mark in the movie do you think it is? So, I think I think the scene that's furthest into the movie, first and foremost, is... Uh, Natasha and Steve on the Quinjet. Okay. Yeah. Where Steve says, well, it better work. Because obviously I think that's after they've met Scott or they've seen Scott's footage and they're going off on the mission or whatever. I think that 15 minutes, but that's probably pushing it. I don't think it's that. But at the same time, I mean, the cut's hovering around three hours. So I would say between three hours. Yeah. It might not end there, but that's where the current cut is, the Russos have said. So I would say I feel comfortable saying anywhere from 10 to 15. And I don't think we, I mean, in the Infinity War trailer last year, we got one of the last shots of the film in there with Tony holding his hand. I don't think we got anything like that. Um, I, I think this was all super, super early teaser footage. But then they could throw us a curveball. Maybe they've battled... Thanos or something in that, you know, the Tony ships at the end or something. You know, I, I have no idea. I just, I would say 10 to 15 minutes because that's when Natasha and Steve are going off to rescue Tony or something. So maybe the Tony goodbye scene really is Tony dying and it comes from the end of the movie, but they're making us think it's kind of where the movie's going to start. Right. Yeah. That would be interesting. I mean, we have four months five months to speculate i'm suspicious that this really is i bet they've not given i mean they've given us only stuff from the first few minutes like my my it's possible i think that the ronin scene might actually be the furthest in that they kind of make the plan and then they jump over to hong kong or japan or wherever they are to pick up you know clint on the way but definitely, like, I think they're very specifically not telling us anything about this movie past very, very early on. They want to keep a lot of it secret. So so let's ask this, and we'll kind of wrap this section up. Does this trailer change what you think about this movie at all? It's confirmed the fact that I have absolutely zero idea what the heck's going to happen. I mean, I kind of had the sense of what was going to happen in Infinity War, obviously. But, I mean, this one, there's virtually nothing. I, is Thor in the raft, too? It looks like Thor's in a jail cell or something. Right? Oh, I figured he was just hanging out in, like, Scarlet Witch's old room or something. Oh, maybe. It just seems like he's in, like, one of the raft cells. Um, 
I thought maybe he was on like a Quinjet or something in like a small area. I love that he's given up Asgardian clothes and he's just wearing like a Banana Republic sweater or something. I thought that was <laughs> <laughs> kind of funny. <laughs> and he's decided to keep the short haircut. I'm like, or it's very soon. Either he's decided to keep the short haircut and we're like years in the future, or it's very soon after and he hasn't had a chance to grow his hair out. Or that was part of the contract negotiations. He's like, listen, I'll take a million dollars less, but let me keep the short hair. I hate that stinking wig. Right. <laughs> and, and I mean, there's nothing in this trade. I don't know what to think. I mean, when does this... I mean, there has been a lot of talk about hairstyles. So Captain America has shaved, which evidently set the internet right. on fire. I feel like the only woman in America with no strong thoughts over Captain America shaving. Yet, Black Widow still has her weird blonde hair. Right. Um, there's and a lot of hair conversations coming. And like the overshot of like the hover shot of the Avengers facility, it looks like the grass is growing out and all that stuff. I mean, I guess I don't know their lawn maintenance people got snapped half of their lawn maintenance got snapped right that's what i'm saying i mean what's how long is it after is it like immediately following infinity war or or is it five years later or is it right so the only thing that's tricky there is some talk between um when scott is on the video he says something like i helped you guys a couple years ago at the airport or something like that yeah but that's not definitive I mean, a couple could mean two. It could mean four. It could be. Oh, I, granted, no, I'm not saying two. it's defend. I'm just giving you any evidence that we have of when the movie takes place. At least they're not. Uh, I think by now they've learned their lesson to not put uh, have Scott say, "Hey guys, I met you one and a half years. Hey guys, I met you 36 months ago." All right. I think they learned after their eight years later incident. <laughs> oh, uh, the other big news is Shuri's apparently got dusted or missing at least she's on uh bruce banner's hologram screen things yeah which we did not know i would i mean we kind of teased about it and i don't think it'll happen but it would be real funny if they went through this whole like time traveling extravaganza to like finally get to like some kind of macguffin that'll fix everything and when they show up shuri's just sitting there like playing a, a mobile game on her phone like oh was waiting for you guys to show up glad you yeah. finally figured this out you know like she's ahead of them the whole time it, it was interesting that we got no wakanda yeah. I, I was a little surprised that the trailer did not um show us who's in charge of wakanda like we got no mbaku or no okoye like it would have been i don't know i just would have thought that they would have like pan, done a couple shots of like the different places in the world and we just would have seen stuff so I thought Wakanda was where we had the Thanos Scarecrow thing. No, that's uh, back on his home planet. No, that, where he's that's retired. on Thanos land. Aww. Where he's growing artichokes. Aww. Or whatever he's growing. Oh, is he baking bread and... Living on the land. I hope he's happy! <laughs> oh, um, I was going to say, it is... I don't know if this matters, but... Um, it does help that Scott Lang knows where Avengers headquarters are, right? Because he visited in Ant-Man. So like if he had to make his way there, he would know where to go. If you guys uh, want to upset yourself at continuity issues, somebody on Reddit posted um, like compound shots of every single time the Avengers compound has ever been displayed. And it doesn't look the same 
in any single shot. It's always different. The the compound? Yeah, like the entire like the compound in upstate New York. Like in yeah. Age of Ultron or Homecoming or whatever, it just looks completely different. Like the buildings are arranged differently and but that's besides the point. I just take that Tony's constantly tinkering. So I figure it's like the suits. As soon as he builds something, he goes, oh, I don't like this. And they rip down a wing and they build something new because he's rich and he can tinker with stuff like that. We're talking like huge buildings being like, move. you're saying he rips that building down and moves it from north to south to east to west? Oh, yeah, he's got, he's got nanobots. Yeah, nanobots, they man. It's the nanobots. Nanobots. <laughs> or, I mean, maybe. And robots. You would think he wouldn't have so many robots doing stuff these days, but, you know... Iron Man 1... He likes to redecorate. Iron Man 1, it takes him, like, two weeks to get a functioning suit. Or or, or longer. Like, he works forever. Then by Iron Man 3, he's, like, pumping a new one out every night while he sleeps. Like, he creates the specs and he goes, Oh, make that, Jarvis. Then he wakes up the next morning, he's got a new suit. Like, man's got some manufacturing prowess. I yeah, but I'm not... I mean, but he made the first one in a cave. Like, yeah. Or, I mean, maybe Marvel Studios just doesn't, you know, have somebody assigned to Avengers Compound Continuity. I mean, that would be a pretty simple explanation. Don't be so cynical. I'm just saying. I'm just, yeah, okay. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. Our main conversation, we're going to talk about the, uh, our end of the year wrap up um, because we're not going to have time to next week with all the Spider-Verse stuff. Uh, We try to do this a little look behind at the year that is past. Uh, I've made a list guys of everything that came out from Marvel this year on TV shows or films. Tell me if I missed anything, but by my, my recollection, we had black Panther in February. We had Jessica Jones two in March infinity war hit in April as did Legion season two. Luke Cage 2 came out in June. Cloak and Dagger came out in June. Ant-Man and the Wasp came out in July. Uh, September saw Iron Fist 2 and The Gifted Season 2. October, we got Daredevil Season 4. And then in December, we haven't quite had it yet, but Runaways uh, Season 2 and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is about to hit. Uh, Is this the greatest Marvel year in the history of Marvel years? No, it was awful. It was sad. It was horrible. We had to take a whole day of mourning this week. Come on, guys. It was. Uh, this year was amazing. It was exhausting, but amazing. Yeah. I mean, it has to be really good to hurt so bad. I still can't believe that Black Panther and Infinity War came out within like two and a half months of each other. I mean, they're two of the top five Marvel movies, I think, by most people's accounting. And they just came out back to back. I mean... We were real spoiled to get that kind of content right together. And I can't believe it was this year. I mean, it just feels like Black Panther was a different lifetime ago. Um, I mean, not just because I've moved and made life changes and stuff, but it just, like, so much content this year. This might be, uh, I'd be interested, I don't think I know the answer to this from either of you. If you had to pick a best film of this year... What would be your favorite Marvel movie that we got this year? Oh, also Deadpool. Deadpool 2 was not in my rundown. That came out this year as well, too. But anyways, what was your favorite Marvel film for this year? Probably Black Panther. 
Yeah, Black Panther. And why would you pick that above the other options? So, I mean, Infinity War... I mean, yes, Infinity War hit this... I mean, it hit us all. It was intense. Uh, We had uh, emotions. You couldn't stop talking about it. But I feel like Black Panther was a movie that I could recommend to anybody, whether they had seen a Marvel movie ever or not. It truly, to me, I mean, at the time I described it as feeling like it must have felt when Star Wars first came out, that it was introducing a whole new world. It was introducing cultural references that would live long beyond the time at the box office. Um, And it really, I, I think it changed a lot. And I think a lot of that momentum was possibly halted by Infinity War. I mean, they created this massive new world and then they killed it. I mean, a lot of people, Black Panther was the first Marvel movie they saw and then in the next movie, they killed T'Challa uh, to, as far as anybody knows. Um, but I think five, ten years from now, like, yes, Infinity War will be an amazing part of the Avengers universe and everything, but I think Black Panther will be the movie that we look back and see as groundbreaking innovative the beginning of something incredible um i was really surprised by it i was moved by it i thought it was great adam what do you think favorite movie this year favorite movie infinity war right it's gotta be infinity war man i know you two probably prefer black panther but i mean as a comic book fan as a comic book reader infinity war was essentially the perfect comic book movie you know it was so comic booky um yeah i mean and for that that was my favorite movie of the year certainly was ant-man and the wasp yeah i think um i'm gonna go with infinity war 2 i i think what infinity war is not probably getting enough credit for or people don't consider enough um Black Panther is a really well-made movie, but I think Black Panther is a relatively conventional movie, at least as far as, like, plot and scope and all those kinds of things. Infinity War, the number of characters and the number of, like, settings and the number of plot details, the complexity of that movie to write and then actually, like, film and produce and create... A movie of the size and scope of Infinity War, I I'm not I don't think I'm overstating. This has never ever been done in Hollywood before. It's really the biggest movie that's ever been made. Maybe not as far as like sets, you know, it's not like Titanic where they like built an ocean, you know, to film the movie, but just the idea of all the moving parts and all the complexity of the narrative. And the way that they made it work, and the way that it could only work within the context of an interconnected universe like the MCU, like, all of those things make it a monumental achievement to me that um, it's just different. Um, Now, you know, I think you could argue that maybe Black Panther was a better movie than Infinity War, in that um, they weren't chewing off so much, and so they could make it higher quality. And so, I mean, I love them both, but for me, I just love the sheer, you know, guts of trying to make a movie as sprawling as Infinity War is. So, that would be my favorite, would be Infinity War. 
and in the live chat, Michael T. Ford said Black Panther felt bigger than comic book movies. And that's, that is true. Like, um, I think that was kind of a bigger cultural thing, but then again, I don't know. I don't know what culture I live in. I feel like Thanos has become part of the culture too, but, um, I, it is, I mean, in the United States, Black Panther did make more money. So I think it's, it's maybe going to have a bigger cultural impact. All right. I think I know the answer to this, Rhiannon. What was your favorite TV show of this year? Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, Daredevil season three. I mean, there's no competing with Daredevil season three. Did I call it three. Daredevil season four earlier? <laughs> Did I make that Freudian slip? I think I called it Daredevil season four earlier. I, if you did, I missed it. Um, I just saw that it ticked up to 96% on Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes. Like, after cancellation, it has gone up in its ratings. Um, it was everything I wanted it to be. I mean, so long to wait for that, and it was great. And there was a lot... I mean, I think Marvel Television was amazing this year. I think we had... Lots of great shows. I think the most recent season of all of the Netflix shows was amazing. But, I mean, Daredevil's my favorite, and they did a great job with it. Adam, do you have a favorite TV show for the year? Iron Fist Season 2, man. No, not Iron Daredevil 3. It's, it's not even any question that uh, Daredevil was it was pretty solid. Yeah. I mean, that that's mine, too. You know, I know people are, so, are really sad that we're not getting any more of that incarnation of Daredevil. But it was also the best series finale for any Marvel show ever. I mean, the way that it wrapped up uh, what we had was pretty amazing. So, um, yeah, I think Daredevil Season 3 easily... You know, there's some obvious honorable mentions. I continue to love Legion. Uh, we all thought Cloak and Dagger was much better than we expected. Um, and Luke Cage and Iron Fist, I think, were both huge steps up, so... Yeah, I mean there was a lot of a lot of good TV. Uh, it, it's really it's really weird. The year before, 2017, was Marvel's big crap year of TV. You know, like they put out Iron Fist 1, they put out Inhumans, they put out all this junk and stuff kept getting renewed. And then this year they corrected course and they made lots of stuff and everything's getting canceled. So that's so bizarre. Uh I I I think that's where, you know, the the Save Daredevil people are getting their 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 righteous indignation from. So I mean, on that note, what? I canceled my Netflix. Ooh. I've, I mean, it takes effect December 29th. Like, yeah, I'd already paid for the next month, so like, it takes effect December 29th. I donated that first month to like the Fight Blindness Foundation thing that the Renew Daredevil people are doing. So if anybody wants to talk about canceling their Netflix, I am here for you to help talk you into it. <laughs> uh, well, there goes our corporate, uh, no more, Netflix won't be contacting us about any advertising on the podcast anytime soon. Oh, Netflix can contact me. <laughs> I, you know, Netflix, you want to contact me? You want to talk me into renewing my subscription? We can talk on this podcast about what You're doing. awesome thing you are offering for me to renew my subscription. But right now, you can suck it. <laughs> um, all right. What uh, what was the mistake? What uh, what Marvel property this year do you think was the biggest misstep or the, uh, the, the, the worst part of the Marvel um, film and TV year? The worst part? Yeah. I mean, it was a really high bar this year. 
Are, are we just talking television? Wh- whatever. Like, what's one thing that that came out this year that you're like, Ugh, oh, Jessica Jones that. season two. That was this year. <laughs> there we go. Oh, That's yeah. what I was yeah, going to say. God, that was this year. That was this yeah, year. Yeah, that was by far the worst. God, yeah. It's really, I mean, because everything else stepped up, it really does stick out as the one kind of like turn in the punch bowl, right? Where you're like, right. man, how did this come? Like, what, what? you know, like it was just so inferior to season one of Jessica Jones. What's the cause for that? I mean, it was Rosenberg was still the showrunner, right? So, I mean, I feel like season two of Jessica Jones, like Rosenberg got to create the show that speaks to some things i mean you can't have season after season of recover about escaping from and recovering from a rapey situation and you know it was about healing from rape and everything in the first season and i think the second season she just struggled to find she still wanted to find something that touched women as deeply and um you know hit that little note that she hit in the first season and i think just failed you know, it was just like, here's our woman power show, and we're doing woman things, and look, we have lesbians, and the, and it just, eh. So I'm very interested to see where they go season three. And I, and I mean, and we look at this, and Jessica Jones season two and Daredevil season three both explored relationships with their mothers. They They both brought in a mother that hadn't been around for most of the character's life they both had the characters growing close to their mothers and they were so different in the way they approached it addressed it and made that a part of the story um which i was worried about when we knew that maggie was going to be in dd3 to me it all comes down to villain um I, this is probably overly simplistic, but I think you can basically figure out how good a comic property is going to be based on how good the villain is. You know, so Daredevil season three, Vincent D'Onofrio villain and T- Wilson Bethel villain. Ooh, that's really good. Thanos is a great villain. Awesome. Killmonger is an incredible villain. Awesome. You know, and then Jessica Jones, I mean, was there even a villain to Jessica? I mean, her mom was like a problematic character, but she wasn't truly a villain. And there was that Dr. Malice guy, but he wasn't really a big deal. And throughout all of that, um, I think that there's something to be said about, well, this is mature grown-up storytelling. And sometimes in life, there isn't really a villain. It's just that life is hard. But I don't know. I think we tend to like it when there's a bad guy we can focus on. Speaking of which, what was your uh, best villain of the year? Who do you think was the uh, the best bad guy in the MCU or in Marvel stuff? Thanos, right? It has to be Thanos. It's got to. It's got to be Thanos. I mean, I don't feel like you can compare Thanos right. to Wilson Fisk. Like, I I don't think they're even the same world. I mean, they're not the same world, but. See, I think I maybe liked Eric Killmonger a little better. I know <laughs> Adam doesn't. Like I Killmonger. don't at all. I don't know, I don't, man. I love Michael B. Jordan. No, 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 no. He, I, 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 I don't get the love, but I mean, I mean, I, I had to be reminded why Killmonger was even a bad guy. I mean, I had to be like rewatch the movie to remember. Oh yeah, he kills those people. That's why he's very clearly bad, and not just like 
kind of bad. Yeah, he um, also is trying to proliferate the number of guns available to the world and very powerful guns. But yeah, I don't know. I think, I mean, to me, that makes that's that's what makes him so awesome. You know, like um, that they <laughs> that they were, uh, you know, in comp. Um, he's interesting because he has so many understandable motivations, but then like he hides how really terrible in the end. He's like, listen, if we just give enough people enough weapons, they're going to start revolutions and kill all the other people. And it's like, Oh, so we're going to fix the world through war. That sounds great. You know, like the fact that he hides the, the blood behind his uh, concepts, I think is interesting. All right. Uh, also, Michael T. Ford, uh, the villain of John, Jessica Jones season two is Trish, which uh, I, I'll take that. I know some people don't feel that way, but I thought that was interesting. All right. Yeah. A couple more questions. Uh, who was your most valuable player in front of the camera? So who was on screen that you thought was best in Marvel stuff this year? I'm going to say it and I'll probably get a lot of hate. Like probably so much hate. But I'm going to say it, and I, this is a judgment-free zone, right? Yeah, man. MVP in front of the camera is none other than Tom Pelfrey. Okay, yeah. Ah. I'm with you. I liked, his, I liked his performance probably best out of anyone. And yeah, there's probably going to be people online, oh, but Michael B. Jordan, nah, miss me with that stuff, please. No, well, and that's what, because, like, I was, we were discussing this on the Slack this week, like, with Black Panther getting the best picture nod with the Golden Globes, but no acting nominations. Um, like, I think it was a wonderfully crafted movie. I think everybody did a great job in that, but there's nobody in it that I'm like, ah, yeah. I mean, like, that I think put an Oscar-worthy performance. And, and Chadwick Boseman is really good, but it's so understated that like it's not the kind of like sexy performance that gets award buzz because it's very like close to the vest you know yeah i mean well and i mean they did they created this whole i mean they created a dialect um specific to wakanda and did some amazing things there and i mean i loved Danae Guerrero's performance there was hard for me to look away from charlie cox but he just always does a great performance as daredevil Pelfrey was amazing. So I'm actually going to agree with you, Rhiannon. I'm going to say Charlie Cox. I think I the most emotional I've ever been in a Marvel TV show was season was the that first episode of season three, which I know we've talked about to death. But like just for me personally, the way Charlie went to the depths, and then that last scene in the apartment where he wants to kill Fisk so bad. But he also doesn't want to lose his soul forever. You know, like, the depth of what Charlie Cox did in those scenes was incredible. And so I, I really do think, uh, like, as much as I loved Infinity War, it wasn't the acting that made me love Infinity War. And so I think Charlie Cox would be mine for in front of the camera. Which leads to behind the camera. Who's the uh, creative type person, uh, you know, directors, writers producers like who was uh your mvp on that side you've got marcus and mcfeely writing infinity war which was amazing you have eric olison taking over daredevil and i mean you guys know i set my sights so low on that 
I, I was like, oh, they're obviously going to forget that they threw out these, you know, they're probably going to forget about Karen's storyline. They're probably going to do this. They closed, I mean, they wrapped up so much stuff. They did an amazing season. But then we also have to look at your boy um, over on Iron Fist that took, what's his name, Adam? You're going to... Raven Metzner. Yeah. I mean, he took a show that was pure crap to most people for the first season he took a lot of those reasons people had issues with it and he worked this season through like if there had been a third season of Iron Fist I think a lot of people that never would have given it a chance would have really liked what he would have come up with so they've done an amazing job this year with the with the writing staffs. Yeah, I want to say you know somebody like Ryan Coogler, um, but there wasn't a single person that had a more tough job than Metzner did on Iron Fist, right? I mean, he he just absolutely turned away turned around that property, and maybe he's not the the crew MVP, but he definitely deserves recognition um but if i had to choose one mvp i mean it's hard to not say ryan coogler i mean the guys they might not get you know in an oscar nom for acting but i mean coogler very well could for you know directorial so i would go with coogler so um i'm gonna keep with my infinity war stuff for me it's marcus and mcfeely i mean the there were what they managed to do is to take movies they did not write and continue the through lines of those stories and then make it a cohesive piece like thor's storyline picks up from ragnarok beautifully iron man continues the iron man stories obviously they already were doing the cap stuff all the guardian stuff they took james gunn's work and continued it and moved it forward and they brought all those franchises into one place and still gave it a meaning and idea and then in the end chose to make the main character of the film the bad guy of the film like it's just such a high level of difficulty that they pulled off that uh that's that for me so all right last one we'll wrap up uh what's one minute or one minute what's one moment uh like if you look back at this year is there a scene or a moment in a tv show or film that for you is your favorite that kind of uh encapsulates the year in marvel other than the snap are we just gonna say like beyond thanos snapping his fingers no i mean that's that's good i hadn't even thought of that so the snap is yeah you hadn't even thought of that caleb you're fired <laughs> moments just such a broad thing. the best moment our favorite moment i mean outside of the snap i yeah. mean the one i still i still get my breath taken away is the 12 minute fight in daredevil oh the, gosh. the one take fight i mean it's just crazy every time i watch it like i was explaining who's i was watching i was watching it with my parents last week or something they're like, what do you mean one take? I'm like, well, just watch it. You won't notice cuts or anything. You know, this is a 12-minute take. It's just incredible how they did that. So, yeah, outside of that, I mean, that, would, that was one hell of a moment, that's for sure. I'm a big sucker for when Thor arrives in Wakanda. Oh, yeah, I forgot about and that. And he that. screams, bring me Thanos. Yeah. That's mine, man. Oh, 
I still like, you know, like I was, I almost had to get up out of my chair, you know, like right. it was just overcome with like, yes, excitement. So yeah. I'm looking forward to the end game has to have a moment. There needs to cap needs to say Avengers assemble and all the heroes are back and they all have one gigantic group shot. We need this. Mm-hmm. I need to see all 35, 40 characters all together, all fighting Thanos, spinning camera. Come on. You think uh, you think Iron Man's going to get the Thor entrance of Endgame? How he's trapped in space the whole time and gets rescued by Carol or oh, something? Oh, that'd or? be interesting. But yeah, I agree with you. We need that. We need that group shot. I'm not sure we will though. I'm trying to temper we my. Need some catharsis, okay? <laughs> That, uh, that I think that does it. We'll wrap it up there. Uh, we'll go to the mailbag real quick uh, and see what people sent us. Uh, Alex Howes on the website. Uh, he would like to see the Netflix characters wrapped into the movies without erasing the continuity. So um, he felt like maybe something like Jessica Jones could go to an FX or Hulu and keep going. But uh, he'd like to see like an Iron Fist and Luke Cage uh, show up in the movies but be the same actors and have the same backstory um, as the Netflix stuff. Uh, it would be nice to see it keep going. Um, I just wonder if Disney will be petty enough to want to kill the continuity so it undermines the value of the product. Like, that sounds terrible, but, like, I could just see Marvel being like, no, that's not the real Daredevil. If you want to watch fake Daredevil, go ahead and watch it on Netflix, but real Daredevil is now this. Uh, maybe not, but I wouldn't put it past him i mean i don't want to fill anybody with i don't want to fill anybody with false hope but if you look at that statement charlie cox made he can't believe you know he's like that small chance that nobody ever sees me as matt murdoch again love waffle uh asked if we edited well to make it look like we happened to talk about daredevil's cancellation in the middle of the agents of shield getting renewed and no, that wasn't clever. It just really went down that way. Those of you who can see the live uh, live stream will see Rhiannon's face get ghostly white and her jaw drop as we're talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You'll so. even see her opening her wine bottle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could. I don't. You guys, I know you don't listen to the pod. I, I mean, I don't except for I edit. You can hear the pop of the cork <laughs> very clearly on the podcast. Like me or Adam are talking, I hear pop, and I'm like, okay, that's awesome. I made sure to keep that in. I think that does, I'm sure maybe there's um, some stuff on Twitter, but I didn't get to it. So, but thank you all for listening and all that stuff. No, we just, while we were recording, we had somebody on Twitter that evidently like Spotify gives you your year end review type thing. And. AJ, AJ Argillon, his Spotify like premium, it told him that his favorite podcast was Marvel News Desk. Oh, thanks, AJ. That's exciting. Yeah, I think uh, I need to be better about keeping track of our Spotify listens because I think it's become a significant portion of what's going on. So if you listen on Spotify, send us a tweet or a something, you know, so that we can get a better sense we have stats for this kind of thing but it's in a different spot and i haven't looked at it so we'd love to hear from you spotify people it's the end of the show so i'm gonna say thank you for listening 
uh, Spotify, podcasts, however you listen. We're really thankful that you do. Uh, thanks for doing it and telling your friends. That helps our show exist and uh, be here. If you want to send us a message, there's lots of ways you can do it. You can tweet us at Marvel News Desk and on most weeks, so we do check that. Uh, you can also communicate with us via our MarvelNewsDesk.com posts each week. Uh, if you want to support the show, we'd love for you to give us a buck a month over at patreon.com slash marvelnewsdesk, and you will get our special annual episode, the 2018 annual. will come out here in three or four weeks, something like that, uh, which will only be available to you on Patreon. Uh, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash marvelnewsdesk, or subscribe to our YouTube channel at watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. Uh, you can help the show be more visible to others if you leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Thanks to Tim Cox, who gave us our logo. You can see him on Instagram at Tim V. Cox. And thanks to Alvin for the theme music. You can find his music on At The Skull School across a variety of social media platforms. All right. Uh, next week, uh, Into the Spider-Verse and Spidey Talk. And uh, then we'll be taking a little break for the year uh, so that we can spend some time with family and stuff. But uh, another week to go next week. So we'll see you then. <laughs>